I'm Matt Brownell. And I'm Van Owens. And I'm Tim Adams. Welcome to Climbing the Mountain, where we dive into the scriptures and discuss themes, connections, and real-life application. We're kicking off a series here where we're going to examine the Sermon on the Mount and discuss implications for this teaching for Christians today. Welcome back to the pod, everyone. Appreciate you joining us again. Last time we talked about generosity. We talked about how we would change if we were generous, both as individuals and as a community. We talked about getting rid of the us against the world mentality. And then ultimately we talked about what keeps us from being generous, which is fear. We get so afraid of what we lose that we decide not to be generous and just hold on to our hold on to everything. This time on the pod, we're going to get we're going to hopefully finish this section in the sermon on the mount. <laughs> we'll see how we'll see where the discussion goes. But it's been a ton of fun and it's been very illuminating to talk through this and wrestle with this. And just one thing I wanted to remind everyone that we're here wrestling with you. We're not we don't have all the answers. We're trying to wrestle with this in community just like you are. So if you've come here for uh, black and white answers to all your Sermon on the Mount questions, unfortunately, you've probably come to the wrong place. So I'm going to let Van read the scripture, and then we'll get into it. All right. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If the eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Thanks, Van. So this is sort of the last part of this. And uh, the word for money, which is we use money, is actually maimen. Uh, just for our listeners, I think most of us in the room know that. But it's not just like I have a big bank account. It's I have wealth. I have mm-hmm. possessions. I have – it would be the one who has a big bank account, a, an expensive house, more cars than you need – Maybe a boat, maybe a vacation home. Mm-hmm. Just it, it's it's wealth. It's being overly wealthy. And in verse twenty four, Jesus uh, Jesus uses a really uh, strong word. He uses the word master, um, which is essentially decision making authority. The one who has a right to decide. So what's being communicated is that we cannot serve both God and the pursuit. Of riches and wealth. Now, I, some tension I feel here, and I want us to resolve this together. Is it doesn't seem like it's talking about earning money to you know live our day to day lives. Can we get some agreement from yeah. you in the room? <laughs> no, I think that's true. Like we we have to earn money, and the math has to add up at the end of the day. But it, it doesn't seem like he's talking about that. But he's talking about the excesses that 
if we're all being honest, we all somewhat want. Mm -hmm. Why would Jesus use God and riches as the opposite decision-making authority? Like if one's, uh, if they're both authorities, why are they so in contrast with each other? Well, I think you're right. I think, I think part of what Jesus is saying here in verse 24 is that you can't do both. You mm-hmm. can't store up earthly and heavenly treasure. Mm-hmm. We see this kind of dynamic play out in Luke 9 and 14 passages that indicate, I think, that we're to give away earthly treasure to secure heavenly treasure. Mm-hmm. So I think, that's, uh, I think that's pretty clear. You can't hold on to Christ if you're still gripping money. Um, you aren't really trusting him. You're trusting yourself, your kingdom, the works of your hands. It's the opposite of faith. So that's, I think, a very dangerous place to find yourself. Um, I think it's the place we mentioned the rich young ruler earlier. I think that's where Mm -hmm. he found himself. Ultimately, he relied on himself instead of God. Um, And I think we see throughout the Old Testament um, um, that there's a value placed on trusting God, not self, mm-hmm. and taking care of community. You're, you're supposed to be generous and take care of the others around you. We, we talked about hospitality being a huge thing um, or, you, you know, the, the, the laws uh, limiting servitude, uh, uh, things like the Jubilees where servants were liberated um, or laws um, that allowed the poor to glean uh, crop leftovers. There's all the tithes. There was this whole, there's just so much there. Mm-hmm about giving mm-hmm. that's just baked into their culture. And mm-hmm. I think when we get to the to the New Testament and Jesus, what he's talking about, I, I don't think it's just the tithe, but it's the whole, it's like your whole heart. It's not yeah. just mm-hmm. the limit. It's like, no, 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 don't, not the limit. Like every, what can you do? Like think creative, like how can you give? How can you be a vessel to be used to give? Uh, not just uh, hoarding things in bigger barns. Mm-hmm. Matt, I love how you talked about their system. Uh, the system they lived in was designed to make provisions for the poor. It wasn't just mm-hmm. it wasn't just you as the individual based on your own heart. It was no, I'm creating a system, a society that makes provisions for the poor. I really like that. Yeah, Tim was talking about in the previous episode about the year of jubilee and yeah. how you forgive your debts. And there's also there was also put into the law, it's in the scriptures, um, how land had to return mm. to yeah, the original owner of the land. It. Yeah. You know, the sort of the, the year of jubilee that I think that happened during the year of jubilee. And there's other passages in the old testament where the king is commanded not to amass too much cattle, mm-hmm. not to amass too much of everything. Or the everything heart would be pulled away. Right. Everything everything has to has to come back. And I think that um, you know, what Jesus is saying here is that uh and you know, that word master, I think, is just another example of some of the extreme terminology we experienced early in the Sermon on the Mount. That if you're if you're if God is not your master and money is, then it's not the money. The money doesn't belong to you. Mm. You belong mm. to the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the risk that you run if you're not if you're not making God your master. Because if God is your master, then you belong to God. If money is your master, you belong to the money. And and money is not a good master. <laughs> I think of what you said with the guy, the wealthy, famous person. Exactly. Who 
he has so much that he could never do anything else in his entire life. And he would probably, in all reasonable uh, estimates, never run out of money. Right. And yet he still lives in fear of losing it all because instead of because he's so mastered by the money. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, when you think about that, like we've, we've, we've just been talking about the, the way of following God in the old Testament and the new is this generous sacrificial nature. And the way of mammon is this clinging, mm-hmm. you know, acquiring nature. And so, those are going to be intention, right? Those are those are the the two different ways of operating and seeing the world mm-hmm. that are going to result in different decisions. And so I think that's when Jesus said you can't serve both. Like you, it's just it it's just a impossibility to live both in a life that is generous and sacrificial, like the way of the cross, and that's always acquiring and me me me. I want more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And always nicer stuff and all like yeah. Yeah, mentioned and, before. And I think it I think uh, pulling into it what we talked about the last time too about um seeing things with generous eyes is that I think we can take that a little bit further and that's how you that's how you see God. Because it's really difficult to cling to something that you can't see. Which is why it's so yeah. easy to yeah. cling to your money, your mammon. Yeah. Because you can see that, right? You can you can you can experience it with your senses in some way. The only way you get to experience God is through a generous through your perspective, through yeah. a generous perspective on your life. And then you can see God and then you can cling to him as your master. Yeah, there's a there's a big element of this that is f- about faith, about yeah. trusting God. Yes, huge. So, que- question just one thing I, one more thing I want to ask before we move on to the next one is how did God tell his people to handle prosperity in the Old Testament? And then the follow-up is how did they do with that? Fans laughing. Well, I you know I think we are, we talked about it a little bit. I wish I had looked up all the the scriptures that were specific, but they weren't to a, they weren't to have too much. They were supposed to be able to tell when they had enough. When they when okay, yeah. that's enough. Mm-hmm. I don't need any more. That rarely happens in in our world, and so you know. But it is pretty explicit in the law that you you don't acquire too much um how did they handle it not well (laughs) i I think i think i think what everything van said in addition to remember god remember i'm paraphrasing remember me when you have an abundant harvest Mm -hmm. yeah right deuteronomy 8 yeah remember me when you when you have abundance yeah good one exactly and that didn't throughout the history of god's people they usually forgot him yeah, when yeah. they had abundance, even when the abundance was not their doing. It wasn't their hard work. It wasn't any of that. They usually just said it. And like what Van said, they set a whole system up to not have anyone be too rich and to not have anyone be too poor. And 
that was seems like God based on that, and you guys are free to disagree with me on this. It seems like God is trying doesn't necessarily want ev- he doesn't want everyone to be so poor that they become destitute. That's not something he wants, and he doesn't want anybody to be so rich that they're irrationally petrified of losing everything. Right, right. Yeah, you know, it reminds me a little of what, uh, Tim, you were saying in one of the other episodes about uh, an ax, how they just shared all their belongings with each other, no one had need. And um, it made me think a little too of of the sacrificial system and how they they were called to bring their best. Mm-hmm. And then what? Sacrifice it, and then they have a meal, and they have joy. Right. But like, that's your best mm-hmm. of this. Like, I want to. If I'm owning that particular animal, I want my best to re- reproduce. Mm-hmm. I want more of best. Exactly. And yeah. and I'm gonna now put them on the altar because I trust God more. Mm-hmm. And now I'm gonna have a party, and we're gonna have joy and experience joy because I I'm not clinging to that. I'm clinging to God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I I also wrote down, I wrote down in my notes that in their world, worshiping God cost money. Right. (laughs) I I mean, it (laughs) It did. I I don't want to be trite about it, but for them to go to the temple in that particular audience, they had to go get price gouged on an an offering Mm -hmm. and then sacrifice that offering. And we're not, we're talking about people that are not rich. They had to, it cost them money. It probably hurt them to go worship God. And so God's not telling them, don't make money. Mm-hmm. But he's also saying, it seems like he's saying, you don't want to have too much, but you also don't want to have too little. Mm-hmm. And you want to make sure nobody around you has too little. That's how I read it anyway. Now, to bring us back to my favorite topic, which is uh, how pe- how the people would have heard it, how would a Pharisee and a Herodian and maybe even a Sadducee, what would they believe about Jesus' statement? Assuming they're all good-hearted, they're not, you know, if they're going out to listen to Jesus talk, I think they're at least curious, maybe not, you know, good-hearted. But how would they, how would they hear that? I, I, I don't know if I, I assumed good-hearted in my response here. I was kind of jokey. I don't know if I should be jokey, but I, I, I thought of a few scriptures I could quote. So for the Sadducees, I, I, I thought from 1 Corinthians 6, I have the right to do anything and food for the stomach and stomach for food. It's probably not entirely wrong. Uh, Essenes, I don't know. I think maybe they had left by then to go write some more rules in their caves mm-hmm. about community living. I'm no, I'm just, I'm kidding about that. I, <laughs> Pliny, the historian claimed the Essenes possessed no money. So I, I think many probably believed uh, what Jesus was saying here because they were voluntarily poor. Um, so I'm guessing they agree with him wholeheartedly on this mm-hmm. point. The Pharisees, I <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Jim, uh, you'll respond to this. I know they're your boys. <laughs> But never said that. I'm, I'm messing around. <laughs> I'm messing around. But the, I, I'm, I was thinking of John eight thirty three. We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. <laughs> I don't know. You know how the rest of the, the argument uh, ends, but um, sounds kind of like Pharisees. Yeah. Well, I think a I think a good hearted anything a good hearted anybody when they see the words of Jesus 
are going to take them to heart. I think that's the definition of a, a, a good hearted. Um, I, I think that, you know, whenever I see those titles and I don't I, I don't pretend to know a lot about Pharisees, Herodians and Sadducees. I know I know a little bit. Um, but I know what my tendency is and I know what the human tendency is, is as soon as you align yourself with a particular way and it is not God's way, it's easy to be blinded to your own sin, weakness, um, foibles, whatever you want to call it. It's very easy to get blind to that. And in some ways, we seek to be blind for that because it, it makes us feel better in the short run. Um, uh, I, I, I just think that, that is the, the, that's the risk with all scripture, I think, is um, being, able to, being able to see it and see what it means to you really at the depths of your heart. Van, I was thinking about something you said in an earlier pod that uh, while the Pharisees, in my opinion, would have been like, amen, you cannot serve two masters. Go, Jesus, go. Uh-huh. I think that's kind of where they would have been. They also would have been like, hey, you need to tell the Sadducees that. Right. Like, mm-hmm. hey, Jesus, can you go down to the Sadducees mm-hmm. and the Herodians and repeat this to yeah. this one part to them? Like, it, it, they, they very well might have heard it for, yeah, we agree with this, and we want all of our other Jewish brothers to stop mm-hmm. acting like this. Yeah. Well, you know, Nicodemus went to see Jesus, mm-hmm. but he went to see him at night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Because he was kind of he was kind of serving two masters. Yeah, he was playing. He was there was. Let's go see him, but let's not let's let not anyone else see. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to see him. Let's go at night when nobody sees. It definitely uh, with Nicodemus feels like he's trying to figure out where he's at and where mm-hmm. who Jesus is, and he's dipping his toe in the water, but not getting there. But I think the difference between all of these is that all of them, it highlights a good thing that this hits us differently, Mm -hmm. right? Like some people go, yeah, I don't serve two masters. I live as simply as possible. And I think if a Herodian, good-hearted Herodian were to hear this, they would go, ooh, man, I kind of do pursue wealth a lot, don't I? Uh like I, I read this and I go, and I fully embrace, not embrace, but I will admit I have a lot of Herodian tendencies because I live in 21st century New England. Mm-hmm. And we, if my opinion, we all have Herodian tendencies where, and their central tenet was I can have God and I can have, I can have all the good stuff in both ways. And it really sounds like Jesus is saying we can't have it both ways. Mm-hmm. We we re- we have to make a decision about which thing we're serving, mm. which thing is has decision making authority over us. Is it God or is it money? Um, bringing this thing in for a bit of a landing here, boys. This is good. Nice. Um, what what's Jesus saying, kind of overall about what our life priorities should be, and, and how is that? Why is this so hard? 
I, it is hard. It, it's a battle. And I think I notice um, when I'm not doing well with this is when I tend to be worried or stressed out. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, <laughs> I think the next section is directly related to this when he talks about anxiety. When I'm stressed out, I'm not, I'm ultimately, I'm not trusting God. I'm trusting myself. And that's when I tend to pull back, get tight fisted. I have a lot of baggage from growing up and um, feeling like I got to, Make sure things don't go sideways, and I gotta be, uh, I gotta protect, and uh, um, that's uh, that's that's in who I am for default. Um, so this this battle, I think uh, we talked about it a bunch, but um, we gotta we gotta keep looking to Jesus, who's the author and perfecter of our faith. We gotta keep our eyes focused on him because it's not just uh, looking to him that one time; it's like continuing to look to him. Uh, and not ourselves. Um, and, and there's a, because this battle, I love what Paul, I'm going to bring this answer in for landing here in second Corinthians three, going into chapter four, Paul's talking about how, um, we, uh, contemplate the Lord's glory and we're being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord. So, you know, we, we looking to Jesus, we are, we are transformed and being transformed and, uh, can be, uh, ever increasing glory, displaying that light into the, being that lamp to the world. Right. But, uh, he goes into the next chapter and says, uh, there's an opponent that wants to veil the gospel, uh, and blind the minds of unbelievers. And, and this is the thing that we have to fight against. Um, he talks about the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in Christ. This is faith. And, and he's calling us to, to, to ha- in our hearts know God through seeing Christ. It really, I think, boils down for me, how much am I reading the word and then doing what it says? And, it, and the way that he, Paul ends that chapter is, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Hmm. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, I think so. I I think in why is it so hard? So I when I think about my life, I think, what do I have? What do I want? What do I need? And if the answer if the answer to that is monetary, material mercenary, mammon, whatever you want to call it, then the answer, what I have, well, it's not enough because I've got this bill coming up or I've got that bill coming up or I've got to fix my car or I need a new shed or my shoes are wearing out or what I have is not enough. What I need, more. (laughs) (laughs) How much more? I just more. I need to get those shoes. I need to fix the car. I need to get the shed. I need to do all that stuff. And what do I need? Well, more. It's it's a vicious, horrible cycle. But if I answer that question through the perspective of God, what do I have? I have a relationship with God. I'm I'm a Christian. I'm saved. I'm right with God. Well, okay, so then what do I want? Well, I want God. I, I, I want more. 
of him. Mm-hmm. And well, what do I need? I need God. He's the he answers all of those questions in one fell swoop and it leads to joy and it leads to satisfaction and it leads to contentment and it leads to gratitude and it erases sin, it erases regret, it erases it erases all those things that come with the more of of money of possession of material things of wanting more of what i can see because eventually i used to um when i was in college um my friend jim condon his dad was a minister and uh his dad was very wise and very pithy in the things that he said and he it's something he said to me i'll never forget he he would say how you doing and i tell him how i was doing and because i'm angst ridden something was always wrong and he would always say well add a hundred years to it (laughs) in a hundred years what's that gonna mean i said well nothing and he said exactly (laughs) (laughs) and and i it, it has always stuck with me that okay all the stuff i'm anxious about and and distraught about add a hundred years to it Mm. i add a hundred years to my relationship with god and i'm there i'm with him Mm. it's still there it's the only thing that's actually still there yeah yep well i can't think of a better way to end that discussion than what van just said Mm. is that we talked we talked about a lot we've talked about not storing up treasures for ourselves on earth, all the earthly treasures, add a hundred years to it. I think my house might still be standing in a hundred years, but I doubt all. Of it. <laughs> but you standing won't be standing in it. I won't be standing in it. It's been standing since, since 1860, so I think I'm, I think I'm on solid ground there. Um, but my house won't be standing. My car will definitely be scrap metal. All the stuff I have is is going to be gone mm-hmm. to some degree, including my own life. But I'll still be with God, right. and I, and I think that's a great thought to end this with. Is in a hundred years we'll still be with God. Let's pursue the things that that lead to being with God. That's what I feel challenged by in this, and I feel challenged to to get rid of some of the things that don't, and to to be more generous. I feel treasure, challenged to spend less time pursuing the stuff here on earth. And ultimately, uh, less time pursuing money and less energy and, and figuring out where the tension lies and, and how to resolve that tension. So I really appreciate you guys. I appreciate everyone's perspective. This has been great for me. Thank you guys for listening. And we'll talk to you all next pod. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.